may shock you to know that I've been accused of always thinking that I'm right. And never really understood the criticism that well because it makes me wonder, do other people think that they're wrong? And if they think they're wrong, why don't they change what they think? But nonetheless, apparently it's a character flaw and um, I'm open to the accusation. We're gonna look at Romans chapter one today again, uh, verse 16 and 17, which are kind of a theme verse for the whole book of Romans. So we're gonna look at them a little more closely. And I'm gonna ask you to consider uh, something outrageous, which is maybe to consider that you're wrong. And um, not just about trivial things, but about really large questions about God and life and the world and yourself. Um, unless you're like coming to this talk fresh out of a AA meeting, and, and maybe even if you are, uh, what the Bible assumes about us and what Paul says about our need for Jesus Christ and the help that God brings is remarkably difficult to countenance. Um, because the Christian good news, which is summarized in this passage, is good news for people who are lost. Um, we don't talk about ourselves as being lost very easily. We sing Amazing Grace, and Amazing Grace talks about us being lost. And it says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. But I think what we mean when we sing Amazing Grace is, I once had some problems, but now I'm found. Um, I once was imperfect. I once was only human, but now I'm found. Lost has a uh, such a drastic tone to it. It feels like I'm a derelict. And that's how the Bible uses it. It's like we're derelicts, uh, morally and spiritually. And the problem is, unless you feel something of what it means to be lost, then the good news of Jesus Christ and the Christian hope is going to be uh, both meaningless to you and you're almost certain to distort it. You will take good news for the lost and inevitably turn it into good advice for the imperfect. Good advice for the imperfect. And Christianity is not good advice for the imperfect. It's good news for the lost. And so please try, as you listen to this, and I'll try as I say it, um, to put your assumptions aside about who you think God should be and how he should think about you and listen to what he really says about you and me. So let me pray for us as we jump in. Father, um, you're so merciful to us and we pray that you'd be merciful to us, especially as we think about these hard subjects. Um, it's hard for us to be honest about ourselves. It's hard for us uh, even to see ourselves clear enough, enough to be honest. So please help us. Use your word to expose our hearts to you and, and make us open to you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 1, 16-17 For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For it, in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The word of the Lord. So are you lost? Does talk of rescue resonate with you like it's something you need? Um, I don't think most of us get at it directly and feel the weight of it. Let me ask you indirectly, do you watch the Tiger King? And uh, 
If you do, why do you watch The Tiger King? Uh, besides just, it's so hard to look away from spectacle. Um, but this dude, I think by all accounts, is a mess. Um, kind of his lostness is uncamouflaged. And you look at him and you think, well, um, that's somebody who's in trouble, right? That's somebody who needs a rescue. Uh, do you ever see yourself in the Tiger King, though? Do you think, yeah, that dude is like me? Or do you watch it and you think, well, at least I'm not like him. It could be worse. I mean, what's the lesson you draw from watching a show like that? Um, or do you have relatives that uh, are on the righteous path, which is a reference to a, a Patterson Hood song where he says, I got a friend of mine, known him all my life. He can't get it right no matter how he tries. He's got kids he don't see and several ex-wives, a list of bad decisions about eight miles wide. Got trouble with the law and the IRS and where he'll get the money's anybody's guess. He's a long way off. But if you was to ask, he'd say, I'm trying to stay on the righteous path. You know that person? Is that one of your relatives trying to stay on the righteous path when you know they're nowhere near it? Uh, are you someone trying to stay on the righteous path, but not coming anywhere near as close to it as you tell yourself that you are? Um, I mean, this is a tough message if you're a white sheep of the family, if you're the responsible one that has to take care of everybody else and clean up their messes. But even if that's you, um, are you super defensive and thin-skinned? Is it easy for you to take criticism and easy for people to offer criticism to you? Um, if you're on the righteous path, uh, why do you spin? constantly and what you say about yourself to other people and what you say about yourself to yourself. Uh, why are you constantly reading your resume to yourself and to other people if you're really sure that you're okay? Uh, why do you have such a judgmental soundtrack that runs through your mind all the time about what other people are doing wrong and what they ought to do instead and how bewildered you are that other people could behave in the ways that they do? and how surprised you are that human beings could be as messed up as they are. If you're on the righteous path, if you're not lost, then why is it so important to you to be cool? Why is it so important to you to be liked? Why is it so important to you to be rich? Uh, and if you're on the righteous path, what do, you, what do you do with the big questions of life? Why you're here like what's the point of all of your work and your sacrifices and your responsibility and good citizenship and things or is it is it like most people say it's like i'm doing all of this for my family i mean you know that the reason your children are in therapy is because of you right that's what they're talking about with their therapist is family really a sufficient cause for everything that you've invested your life in. And then what comes next after this life? Um, are you going to meet God and have to deal with him? And if so, does your mind immediately run back to spin? I've been a relatively good person. Compared to the people around me, I've been pretty good. Compared to my bad deeds, maybe my good deeds add up. And I hope maybe that's okay. Um, no one... No one likes to think of themselves as lost. 
we don't like to think of ourselves as lost. Uh, Christianity gets a bad rap because of its low anthropology and our sense that beautiful humanness and all of its potential has been ruined by our rebellion against God. Um, David Zoll says this way, he says, uh, the same low anthropology that breathes such honesty and life into the rooms of AA turns others off, especially those actively coked up on human potential. It's a good line, actively coked up on human potential. Um, do you resonate more with the person fired up about human potential or the person coming out of the Alcoholics Anonymous room? Because the letter to Romans is Paul's intervention. It's his detox program for people who are fired up about human potential. Um, it's his description of the rescue that God gives to lost people and the good news uh, of hope for people who are lost. Uh, but there's no good news in it for people who are excited about human potential. So let's talk about that good news, okay? Uh, first, it's good news about God that Paul brings. He says in verse 17 that the righteousness of God is revealed in the good news about Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God. And that doesn't just mean uh, his uh, pristine morality. Uh, it means his faithfulness to his promises, it means that he is doing what's right, and he's doing what he's promised to do. And when Paul describes this, he quotes the book of Habakkuk, which in our church we just uh, gave a lot of attention to in a sermon series. Uh, the book of Habakkuk is people perplexed about God who seems not to be righteous, who seems to not keep his promises. Because on one hand, the Jews, who were supposed to be his people, who were supposed to be uh, delightful to him, who are going to keep his law, and who are going to be a magnetic influence in all the countries in the world, weren't. They were just as corrupt as anybody else, and made Habakkuk wonder, like, well, is, that, is it over then? Like, is, are the promises to the Jews just not going to be kept? Is God not going to be merciful to us after all? Is he not going to rescue us after all? And then he touches on the bigger, bigger questions that everybody, not just Jews, feel, which is, uh, God is there and he's just, how does he let this world go on so long in injustice and cruelty where uh, tyrants thrive and where uh, oppressors uh, die peacefully in their sleep? And the question is, is God the good God that he says he is? Is he, are his promises believable? Uh, are we just naive to hope in them? And Paul says in the gospel, what God has done through Jesus Christ to come to our rescue and to restore what's been broken by our rebellion, that God is showing that his promises are true, that he really is just, and that he really is going to do what he said he'd do uh, for his people and for the whole world. Uh, ever since he told uh, Abraham that I'm going to fix the world through your family, he said, uh, you know, through you and through your descendant, ultimately the Messiah, all the nations in the world will be blessed. Um, and Israel's supposed to be his agents to be this... Uh, persuasive magnetic force in the world to bring people to faith in the true God, to be reconciled to him. Well, in what Jesus Christ has done, uh, these promises being kept. And now the expansion of hope in God that goes not just to Jews, but to all the nations, the Jew first, but then to the Greeks, he says here, um, this is the fulfillment of what God always promised to do, that he wasn't going to crush us for our rebellion, but he was going to come in mercy to rescue us and to restore us to him. 
And it says in our passage that this is, um, the gospel is the power of God for salvation for people who believe. In other words, God is doing something through his son, Jesus Christ, that nothing else could do. And that is make us right with him. No religion can reconcile us to God. Uh, even though uh, many religions purport to do that, no religion has the power to reconcile us to God. No moral system can reconcile us to God. There's no political system or agenda that can fix what's broken in the world. Uh, that can undo the collateral damage of our war with God because no political system can touch what's broken in us. Only God can do that. And no person certainly is good enough uh, to repair the damage in their own life, to uh, fix themselves for God and make themselves uh, presentable to God. We could never do that. It's something only God can do, and he does it through Jesus Christ. And our hope is in what he's done in Jesus Christ, not in what we can do for him. Because only he can reconcile us to himself and fix what we've broken. All right? So Paul says that he's not ashamed of this hope. He's not ashamed of this message. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he says in verse 16. And he might have been. I mean, he was apparently an unimpressive person. He wasn't a good public speaker. He wasn't, he wasn't handsome. And he's going to the center of the empire, to Rome itself, uh, where all uh, the power that people respect in the world lives. And, I mean, you've seen preachers go to Washington, D.C. and make fools of themselves more often than not, right? And Paul goes in and he says, I'm not going to be swayed by uh, human power. He says, I'm coming unashamed of the gospel because this message is the real power of God. Um, you think the good news comes from the accession of Caesars to the throne, well, the real good news comes from Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead and his ascension to the right hand of God the Father. And so he comes, and even though his message is about some uh, small, conquered uh, ethnic, ethnic sect, the Jews, and this Messiah who's been crucified by the Roman power of all things, he says, you might think I'd be ashamed of that, but I'm not. I'm convinced that it's the power of God. To rescue us. It's what we need, all of us. So in our day, we have other reasons maybe that we'd be embarrassed or ashamed of the gospel uh, where it doesn't seem plausible to people. Some would say that like some pre-enlightenment sect from the Middle Ages uh, is where we find the real truth about God and the world and everything. Doesn't seem likely to people. We've got two, two uh, millennia of bad history for the church. Uh, good, but also pretty sketch at a lot of points that people can look to and say, well, if this is really the truth about the world, what's wrong with these people? Um, and then you've got the Christian ethics, which a lot of people find uncomfortable, being shocked that God disagrees with us ethically. Right? I'm still shocked whenever I see it. Um, but yeah, this is absolutely our hope. This is absolutely what we think is our only hope of being right with God. It's the only hope of fixing what's broken in the world is what God has done through Jesus Christ. And so God is righteous. He keeps his promises. He has kept his promises, and he will going forward. And this is the good news about God. Our hope in him is well-placed. But it's also good news for us, um, and that is that this is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Salvation, which is rescue. God has come to our rescue, ended our rebellion against him, reconciled us to our creator, and is going to fix everything we've broken. Um, 
It's what it means to be saved. And we have no other way to have uh, this help and change affected. We are helpless in need of rescue. And Jesus has come to our rescue. So, and it's good news. Again, this is not advice for the imperfect. This is good news for the helpless, right? Good news for the helpless. This is not a map for man's search for God. This is God coming to find man. And uh, different from all the world's religions in that sense. Right? And uh, it's really hard news, though, for good people. Just really hard news for good people. Uh, people who are better than most, legitimately. People who are the responsible ones in their families, legitimately. People who, if you ask them if they're a Christian, will say something like, well, I'm trying to be. Um, or who think of the gospel at most as a mulligan in life. It's a do-over, a second chance. And uh, what we need is so much more than a second chance. Um, second chance is pretty much useless to people like us. Uh, it takes an honesty about your need before you can be appreciative of salvation. I'll read you a quote from somebody who's not yet a Christian, uh, Chuck Klosterman, who's a, an essayist that I really like to read. He's very insightful. But listen to what he says about himself. This is someone who is uh, not far from the kingdom of heaven. He's been talking about Stalin and Hitler and Osama bin Laden as uh, caricatures of people who are uh, really evil. But he says this, Meanwhile, he says, I constantly do things that I know are wrong. They're not on the same scale as incinerating Jews or blowing up skyscrapers, but my motivations might be worse. I've looked directly into the eyes of a woman I loved and told her lies for no other reason except that those lies would allow me to continue having sex with another woman I cared less about. This act did not kill 20 million Russian peasants, but it might be more diabolical in a literal sense. If I died and found out I was going to hell and Stalin was in heaven, I would note the irony, but I couldn't really complain. Now, um, that's the kind of person that's ready to hear the good news, right? That's the kind of person who can make sense of a need for rescue. And the good news is this, it's that we have um, trust in what God has done for us instead of trying to create a righteousness of our own to present to God. So we're not trying to develop a resume that we can show him that will get us into heaven or uh, make God bless us in this life because we've earned it. Um, we have faith in God's action to rescue us, that uh, the gospel is a good news salvation for all who believe uh, not who get their act together, not who uh, take Jesus's great advice and shape up their lives. So it says this is revealed from faith to faith. It's a kind of a strange literary construction, but it means from God's faithfulness to our faith, like we put our trust in the faithfulness of Jesus to rescue and deliver us, which means that God's plan for us, the good news, is a complete gift to us. It's not something that we have deserved. Deserve has nothing to do with it. It's something that we've been given freely, given freely. And, uh, and because of that, it's true for anybody. 
It's not just for good people. I mean, how often do you hear people say, I think, you know, that all good people go to heaven. I think, well, if you believe what the Bible says about us, then nobody goes to heaven because the group of good people is the empty set, right? We're not good people. And if all good people go to heaven, that's not good news for you or me. It's not good news. It's terrible news for you or me. But if everything comes as a gift from the gospel, from the generous gift of Jesus, who lived and died in our stead and rose from the dead, then any, anybody can uh, be a beneficiary of this. Um, and who are the people that you think about? Like, I wonder if my friend could become a Christian. I mean, what if they're Jewish? Could they become a Christian? What if they're gay? Could they become a Christian? Uh, what if they're uh, a Trump supporter? Could they become a Christian? What if they're a liberal? Could they become a Christian? Um, what if they're a scientist? Could they become a Christian? And the answer is, of course they could. Of course they could, because they're just like us. I mean, the person who's telling us this is the Apostle Paul, who is basically a terrorist. He was killing people because he thought God wanted him to. And he was rescued by the mercy of Jesus. So, your friend's worse than that? Are you worse than that? Um, yeah, what I worry about with friends is uh, not people who seem uh, too distant from Christian faith. I worry about people who seem too close to it um, in the sense that they're nice, too nice to feel their need of Jesus, or they're religious too devout to feel their need of Jesus, or too good a citizen to feel their need of Jesus, too responsible to feel their need of Jesus, too generous to feel their need of Jesus. Those are the people that terrify me, they're my friends, because I think, how in the world are they going to ever respond to a message of good news for lost people? They might be happy to hear good advice for imperfect people, but what sense are they going to make of good news for lost people? Um, Paul says, any body that puts his hope in Jesus Christ uh, will be rescued by him, forgiven by him, welcomed home by him, given a solid future with him in the new creation. And so our persuasion with our friends really depends on um, how we honestly look at God and ourselves and what our hope is. Because if we think God is really just rewarding the good people like us, then we won't have hope for people who don't seem like good people. And if we think that um, only good people get rescued by God, then we won't have hope for bad people. So um, how we think about God really makes a difference in how we think about our friends who aren't yet Christians. Close with a story about a man who lost his dog, dog he really loved, put out flyers offering a big reward for the return of his dog and a pretty substantial reward. And he gave a description of the dog so people would know who he was. He said, this dog, he says, only got three legs and uh, his left ear is missing. And he was accidentally neutered in an encounter with electric fence and his tail is broken off and he's nearly deaf. And he answers to the name of Lucky. Lucky. How in the world is Lucky lucky? He's lucky because he's got an owner that loves him and is willing to sacrifice to get him back. And uh, Lucky is like us with the good news of Jesus. Uh, 
we don't have anything to recommend us. Anyone would be shocked and surprised that God has this affection for us. Uh, people would be stunned that he'd be willing to sacrifice to get us back because he loves us enough to want us home with him. But uh, that's the Christian good news. It's the Christian good news. It's, uh, it's not good advice for imperfect people. It's good news of rescue for helpless people. It's news of salvation for lost people. Now let's pray. Father, I pray for myself and my friends who hear this, that you would let us uh, both feel our need of a Savior like Jesus Christ and the tremendous good news that you're willing to love us and have us home with you. Um, we pray that you would give faith to us and to our friends. We pray that you'd give us hope for our friends and hope for ourselves in your Son, Jesus Christ. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.